And during the final preseason game, there may not be a position with more intrigue for the Seahawks than the receiver position. Who's going to be catching on after this preseason finale with the Packers? We're going to be breaking it all down in our Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined for our Blue Friday episode by my co-host, Nick Lee, and a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening from Pullman, Washington, or across the country in Portland, Maine. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. The Seahawks will wrap up their preseason tomorrow in Green Bay against the Packers at Lambeau Field. We're going to be dishing out our weekly picks to click, and we're going to have some fun looking towards the regular season that is drawing much closer by the day. And we are going to be making some projections with a little fact or fiction. Going to be some fun game day here on Blue Friday, which is brought your way by Underdog Fantasy. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with the promo code Locked On to get your first deposit double up to $100. Now for your lead story here on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks. Going into training camp, receiver stood out as one of Seattle's most fascinating positions, and that remains the case now with cuts coming up on Tuesday, though maybe for a little different reasons than we anticipated, Nick. Jackson Smith and Jigba recently undergoing wrist surgery. Dariq Young might need surgery to repair a hip injury that is still bugging him. Cody Thompson is banged up. Suddenly, this is a position where Jake Bobo is a lock to make the team in week one, and you've got a couple other spots open potentially that now there's a handful of players that might not have even been in the mix when training camp started that have a legitimate chance to make this football team going into the preseason finale. First of all, if you can rewind yourself to, I don't know, a month ago and say, and, and hear yourself say Jake Bobo is a lock to make this roster. <laughs> That's uh, that is something that uh, is uh, an exciting development, a very unexpected one, um, uh, a surprise to be sure, but a welcome one, as as a a, a good chancellor once said uh, in Star Wars. But I digress. Anyway, so for for injuries for receivers, I mean, obviously they're piling up, and I think the biggest bummer, obviously besides the 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 obvious one of Jackson Smith and Jigba, where you know we're there's still some holding out hope that he'll be ready week one. Um, you and I are, are, are kind of, uh, I'm skeptical on that. Um, and now it, it's kind of the kind of the point where do you absolutely have to force him out there week one when you have a few options, obviously they're not Jackson Smith and Jigba um, and Cody Thompson's that I think the other big bummer um, just, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, he, he's going to be out with a shoulder injury that he suffered last week. So, um, he's going to he's going to miss that opportunity. And you think of guys, the one that came to my mind immediately was Aesop Winston. I think that he's got a great chance here. I'm sure we'll mention him later on down the road. Kay Johnson, of course, Matt Landers, another, you know, uh, fellow undrafted free agent rookie as, as Jake Bobo is another one. Um, Kay Johnson cleared concussion protocol and has been practicing this week after being taken to the hospital. Um, so that that's been uh, a good development. Dariq Young also is, is down. Um, D. Eskridge is down. 
Uh, even then, you know, he's got that suspension. So yeah, there there is a ton of intrigue. Maybe not the intrigue we were expecting at receiver. Um, at, you know, below Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, and, and some of it's pretty unfortunate. But I think that Jackson Smith and Jigba will bounce back pretty good when he comes when he returns. And um, but yeah, the, the opportunity is there for you know I'm I'm going to be watching a guy like Yusuf Winston um, and, and Cade Johnson, who's been kind of the, the frequent flyer in the roster a few years. So those two, I think, for me, stick out. Yeah, when you're looking to replace Jackson Smith in Jigba, you're looking for a natural slot route runner. And Kate Johnson showed late last season what he can do in that role. So I think this is a huge game for Kate Johnson just to show, hey, I'm past this concussion. If he's able to go out there, stay healthy, make a few catches, run some nice routes from the slot with the fact they already know he can play at this level, he has proven it then I think that the door has been opened for him. Cody Thompson, as you mentioned, it's a bummer because it has been health-related stuff. I think he could have made this football team the last two years because of his special teams ability, his size, his soft hands, his route running, but he just can't stay healthy. That 32-yard catch he had against the Cowboys, he injured his shoulder with the hit on that play. So now he's likely not playing in this game against Green Bay, and, and I think that leaves him as an odd man out in this position. Because Jake Bobo, as we've mentioned, he is going to be on this football team. He has earned that spot. I've made the argument the last couple of days, and I think K.J. Wright agrees with me. Uh, K.J. Wright basically saying, don't play this guy. I think he needs to be in bubble wrap tomorrow. I, I'm He's on your team. You need him week one. Agreed. But you can't afford anymore. After those first handful of receivers, D.K. Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jake Bobo, I can't believe that we're saying this, but, but he's earned that. He has earned that distinction with what he has done. But – you look at the other positions they've got here. If, if Derek Young was healthy, Derek Young is making this roster because of his upside, his special teams ability. But he's not healthy. And I think there's a really good chance, based on what I've been told, that he's going to have to go under the night. This is an injury that's been lingering. He came back for a week. So if you aren't going to have him and you're not going to have Eskridge and you're not going to have Smith and Jigba, then you need guys like Kate Johnson. I think Matt Landers now coming back healthy. He was building momentum before his quad injury. And luckily, he wasn't out very long. Tomorrow is going to be a big day for him. And I'm going to throw another name out there. You mentioned Aesop Winston. He scored a touchdown against the Vikings. He is very much still in this mix coming back from his own injury that cost him the game against Dallas. But Tyjon Lindsay, the undrafted rookie out of Oregon State, what he has working for him now is the punt and kick return ability. We saw the 34-yard return he had on a punt against the Cowboys last week. He's explosive. He's a little jitterbug. He's got special teams capability. I still feel like the kick return game is an area. The Seahawks are still trying to figure out who's going to be the best option there. If Lindsey can make a big play on special teams and he contributes at receiver, that is a dark horse now that wouldn't have been viewed as a candidate to make this football team. But with all the injuries and suspensions – I think if he can prove himself on special teams, he has a very good chance to sneak onto this roster. Yeah, and if he has another kind of you know electric play or two against the Packers and Lambeau tomorrow, he certainly can can squarely put himself in that in that conversation. He's explosive. Um, I, I like Jitterbug. I like that. I, you know, as my old Chargers days, Darren Sproles kind of comes to mind a little bit. Where um, you know, not the, the the biggest of stature, but when he gets the football in his hands, electric things happen. And a guy like that can can be really valuable for your football team. Matt Landers is another one that we maybe have for, not forgotten about, but certainly with that injury, had a big opportunity missed last week. And if he comes and bounce back with with that, you know, the, the length and the you know the winning the 50-50 balls, if he has a couple deep, you know, one or two big plays downfield against the Packers, he can probably put himself back in the mix 
um, certainly with with the lack of depth and the lack of uh, you know lack of health really at receiver, any of these guys have a great game against the Packers, you're at least in the conversation. Yeah, and I'm glad you point that out because there's one other name that I want to mention, and this is another name going into camp. I didn't think we'd be talking about at this stage, but the injuries and suspensions have created this situation. John Hall blocked a punt last week and also almost made a remarkable one-handed catch. You hate the word almost in this case because if he would have reeled it in, that would have been a big play. But he is a big athletic receiver that is showing some ability on special teams too. And as you mentioned, this door is open now for all these guys to be on the roster in week one. So if John Hall goes out and has a big game, makes several catches and, and contributes on special teams, don't rule out John Hall. I would still say that he's a long shot, but at this point, all these guys need to be considered just because it seems like nobody can stay healthy long enough to be able to maintain momentum. And there's a lot of talent in this room. So it is fascinating. It's intriguing going into this last game, how this receiving depth chart is going to play out. I think you and I would agree with the injuries that really the three locks right now, Metcalf, Lockett, and Bobo. And then after that, it's there's a few favorites like Cade Johnson, but he's got to show that he's recovered from that concussion, able to go out and produce. And you got some young guys that are going to be gunning for a position on this roster on offense and special teams. And so that might be the biggest thing to watch tomorrow in terms of competitions battling for final roster spots with a lot of drama playing out at the receiver position. Coming up next, we're going to shift gears towards the regular season with a Blue Friday game day. We are going to be playing a little fact or fiction, looking at a number of topics and deciding whether it's going to be fact when the season ends or it's going to be fiction. We always have fun with this game. We're going to get to that here in a moment on our Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks, which is brought your way by Harry's. Being a bald guy, I'm always shaving my head to make sure I don't look like Dr. Phil. No matter why you shave, Shave. Harry's has you covered for the best shave of your life at a price you'll love. From the legendary high-quality razors to skin products like exfoliating face wash and hydrating lotion, Harry's gives you a premium shave without the premium price tag. Get better quality and a better price than other razors when you get Harry's delivered right to your door. I recently got the starter set, which is a great $13 value for just $3 at harrys.com NFL. It includes a five-blade German-engineered razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover. For me, going on the road, that's a big deal. You can schedule delivery for refills as low as $2, half what you pay for other blades. It's shaving magic. Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, and they're still offering a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Get your best shave ever this summer with Harry's razors and skincare products. Get a $13 starter set for just $3 at harrys.com slash NFL. That's harrys.com slash NFL for a $3 starter set. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by my co-host, Nick Lee. And a special thanks to all the 12s, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first list in five days a week. We greatly appreciate it for our everydayers out there. Make sure you are tuning in this weekend. We'll have post-game shows coming up. And on Monday, our final Monday musings of the preseason, and then we'll go into Cut season, regular season, the real fun is soon going to be beginning. But make sure you are listening in. You won't want to miss the upcoming episodes as we break down the preseason finale in Green Bay. It's time for a game day here on Blue Friday, Nick. Some fact or fiction. And we always enjoy doing this going into the regular season, looking at a number of scenarios that could potentially play out and deciding whether it's going to be fact or fiction. Some prediction-based 
answers coming your way with, of course, a hint of analysis thrown in there as well. So, Nick, let's get to our first one here, fact or fiction. Evan Brown will play well enough to earn a multi-year contract at the end of the season. Well, that's kind of an interesting question because it could, you could technically, you know, the, things could break to where he earns a multi-year contract for perhaps guard, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. But um, I like what I saw from him against the Cowboys, sealing off some runs nicely, pass blocking is, is so-so. I know it's early, but I, I truly think that the Seahawks view this year as a gap year for Olu Oluwatimi and uh, at center, at least. And that does not mean that Evan Brown has to be completely out of the picture either um, by, by the end of this year. I think Evan Brown will probably play the majority of this year, if not all this year at center, as long as he's healthy and, and playing to what we've seen so far. Um, but I truly think this is still a gap year. I still I still think that this is going to be Oluwatimi's job to lose in 2024. Again, that doesn't mean Evan Brown can't be brought back. Maybe at a one-year deal you know, as a guard, you know, depth piece. So I'm going to go fiction here. I'm going to go fiction, not because, you know, I think he's going to suck. I just think that that's truly the plan is Oluwatimi is going to be the starting center in 2024. And Evan Brown can maybe be fill, filling in, in another place, another role perhaps, but as a multi-year you know, contract and extension, perhaps I, I, I think that's fiction, but it's not completely out of the question. Yeah, I'm going to say that this is fiction too. and It's mainly because of what you just pointed out. I still think that this is going to be Oluwatimi's job. If he, if he doesn't get into the lineup this year at some point, it is going to be his job next year. The organization's high on him. Unfortunately, he's been a little banged up during training camp in the preseason this year, didn't play against the Cowboys. So he hasn't been able to fully take advantage of this competition. But I still think that Oluwatimi is their long-term guy at center. That doesn't mean that Brown couldn't change that narrative. He goes out and has a Pro Bowl season or a borderline Pro Bowl season. That totally changes the game for the Seahawks. And he's still a young player. He's only 26. So I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I'm going to lean towards fiction because I just knowing what the people in the building think of Oluwatimi, I think he's going to be the starter at some point, maybe during the season this year, but I would expect next year that they are going to turn things over to him. And if Brown's brought back, it'll be on one of those one-year deals like the one he signed this year for around $2 million. Our next one, Nick, fact or fiction? Boy, Mafe will finish with more QB pressures than Daryl Taylor. Thinking about the end of the last year, that that would certainly feel like uh, more on the fiction side. But honestly, you know, I'm going to go fact. Not only because I think Boy Mafe is rounding into form, um, but Daryl Taylor just has not shown the ability to remain available. I mean, he's had some, 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 ding, some dings and dents throughout his career. We, you know, had a redshirt year basically as a rookie, um, battled some things last year. And now this year he's, he's still trying to really rev his engine fully up from injury before training camp really even got going much. So I'm, I'm going to go fact just because, yeah, I think Boy Mafe is really, really turning into the guy that, that they thought they were getting out of Minnesota again last year. I think, he, you know, he was raw. And I made the joke a few weeks ago that, you know, he, he was pretty raw. You, you got to put him in the oven, a little bake and, and rise a little bit some yeast. And I think that's coming to fruition. And I think that that's uh, that's more of a compliment to, to Boy Mafia. But also I, I do wonder about Daryl Taylor's availability and durability moving forward. I'm going to say fiction on this one just because, and this is not sliding Mafe. I think he is the most improved player on this football team. And we were talking about it before Pete Carroll said it at a press conference a couple of times. He has really made major strides. And I think his pass rushing numbers are going to go up significantly from a year ago. But I still think Daryl Taylor, this is what he's good at, is getting after the quarterback. And Seattle's going to use him in those situational roles. 
and he's going to get a lot of pressures. I don't think it's going to be a big gap, but I still think Daryl Taylor, in terms of pure pass rusher, is probably the best the Seahawks have off the edge. So I'm still going with him in that regard. So I'm going to go fiction. Our next one, fact or fiction, three Seahawks rookies will finish with at least 20 receptions this year. Well, when you look at it at, at the very first glance, you're like, what, really? That, is that possible? I'm, you know, this doesn't necessarily have to be wide receivers. It doesn't say in their rookie receivers. So I'm going to go, you know, I could see uh, Charbonnet get into that number um, and, and then, you know, third down back, you know, change the pace back in the, in the do I dare say, screen game. Um, but, you know, they, they could utilize them in those ways. Um, Jackson Smith and Jibbuck should, should pass that easily by Halloween, <laughs> um, you know, as long as he heals up okay. And really, I think it comes down to Jake. Does Jake Bobo play enough <laughs> to get to 20, 20 receptions? Um, you know, this I can see a scenario like this where uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba does miss maybe two or three games, and Jake Bobo does take that takes full advantage. Maybe racks up you know a dozen receptions in that time, and now he's he's more than halfway there with a long season to go. And maybe he stays on the roster and kind of chips away at that with a few here or there once Jackson Smith and Jigba comes back. So I'm gonna go fact, I, I, and that includes Zach Charbonnet there at the running back out of the backfield. Uh, Ken Walker, I think, had 27 receptions last year, so it's absolutely possible. Um, just depends on some of the usage. But I'm going to go fact. I, I could see this happening, especially as we discussed some of the uh, the lack of health on the receiver side. I'm going to go fiction, but not for the reason that many of our listeners are going to be thinking. I think Jake Bobo is going to get 20 catches fairly quickly in the season. And I know that's crazy to say, but if Jackson Smith and Jigba is not out there, and you mentioned it earlier – Maybe they'll prove me wrong. Maybe he'll heal much faster. But this is not an injury that I think he's going to be back in week one or even week two. I think he's going to miss at least a couple of games. And Bobo is a big slot. Geno Smith, I think, is going to target him quite a bit. He's going to get a lot of opportunities early in the season. The reason I'm saying fiction is I don't think Charbonnet is going to get quite enough opportunities to catch the ball as the second running back. Kenny McIntosh isn't going to be playing enough to be in that mix either. So I think it's going to be very close, but I actually would say Smith and Jigba and Bobo are the two guys that get to 20 plus receptions. And I just think Charbonnet comes up a little bit short. So I'm going to go fiction on that one. Next one, fact or fiction, Jordan Brooks and Devin Bush will each play less than 75% of Seattle's defensive snaps. Well, you were talking about it the other day with, uh, you know, the, you know, how, where does Devin Bush fit into this when Jordan Brooks now is healthy and he's and Devin Bush playing well in the preseason with Bobby Wagner, of course, are, is there space for three linebackers? And I think you were talking about how, no, in fact, you know, that, that might be the opposite. It might go one linebacker with Bobby Wagner and, and more of you know, multiple safeties, multiple or extra corners, extra safeties. Uh, what's just how the NFL is now. You're not going to see, you know, this, uh, you know, three, three stack kind of defense with a uh, three off ball linebackers. That's just not exactly what, what, what it's built for these days. So I'm, I'm going to go fiction. Um, or was it less as if I'll go facts. Yeah. Was it less than? Yeah. Less than Hopefully less than I'll go fact. I think that that is going to be true. <laughs> um, I was like, he is with... completely going against everything he just argued. <laughs> no, I'm going to go fact. I, I think they do play less than that. It's not going to be by much. I think they do play a significant amount still, especially Jordan Brooks, obviously pro, you know, pro bowl level linebacker, but, with the addition of Bobby Wagner or the return of Bobby Wagner and some of the schemes uh, that that might be tough to get. Yeah, I'm going to go fact. I, I, you know, this is going to surprise people, but again, if you've been watching our show the last couple of days, we've talked about some of the scheme stuff and I just don't think there's going to be a lot of snaps where two linebackers are on the field, at least compared to prior seasons. And I still believe Bobby Wagner, number 54, they gave him the green dot for a reason. He is going to be on the field. So 
if they're in one linebacker formations, if they're in nickel and dime sets where only one off-ball linebacker is on the field, it is going to be number 54. So that by default is going to mean that Jordan Brooks and Devin Bush are on the sideline. So I think they're going to find ways, creative ways to get those guys some snaps, especially Jordan Brooks. But uh, this is going to be tricky. It's going to be different territory for both these guys who have played a lot of snaps the past few years. I just have a feeling they're not going to play as much. Next one here, Nick, fact or fiction, Abraham Lucas will have a better sophomore season than Charles Cross. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm starting to watch Charles Cross a little more carefully and maybe a bit more critically. When you're the ninth overall pick and the second tackle taken in the whole draft, there are certain expectations and Pro Bowl expectations. And I'm just not seeing it right now. Had an up and down showing against the Cowboys. He had only 10 pass blocking snaps and did allow a sack. So that, that's not a great percentage. Um, Abe Lucas might be the more balanced of the two, which is weird to say, you know, a year later, you'd think it would be flip-flop. We, we were wondering about had the balance and skills that Abe Lucas had coming out of, you know, the offense that he ran. Um, but right, he's grading out better than Cross right now. I could see a scenario where, where we see a bigger, a, a better jump from Abe Lucas year two. I'm not going to say Charles Cross is going to be some disaster, you know, liability at left tackle. Um, but I, I like what I'm seeing from Abe Lucas. I am. And I, I've, I've yet to quite see that jump from Charles Cross in year two as a number nine overall pick. I expect a little more. Um, so when the year is all set and done, I'm going to go fact. I think that Abe Lucas will have, um, you know, just he'll take a better leap. And part of that, I think, might be because he, he's under a little less pressure, um, especially, you know, on the defensive side, you know, how they line up against Cross versus Abe Lucas perhaps as well. But um, I, I just see that Abe Lucas is a bit more balanced right now. And I could be totally off base here. And, and Charles Cross makes an enormous leap and becomes that, that cornerstone tackle. We hope he is. But right now I just, I, I'm not seeing, I, I need to see more from Charles Cross before I say fiction here. So I'm going to go fact. I'm going to say fiction on this one, just because I know he gave up the sack, but S Sam Williams would start for a lot of teams. He's a really good pass rusher and Losing a battle to him, not a big deal to me. I'm not going to overreact to a preseason game. I have loved what I've seen from both guys on the practice field. And I feel like Cross has shown, he's demonstrated improvement as a run blocker and as a pass protector in the practices, the padded ones that I've been able to watch at camp. And so I still believe that he is going to make that jump. And I think Lucas is going to have a really good year too. I've loved what I've seen from both guys. But I guess my argument here is I'm not going to put too much stock in one play there where Sam Williams, who, again, could start for a number of teams in the NFL. Dallas just has a ton of depth on their defensive line. I'm not going to let one snap there dictate my viewpoint on that. I still think Charles Cross is going to take a real nice step forward this year. In fact, I think he's going to be the one that has a better chance of maybe pushing for Pro Bowl nods than what Abe Lucas does, and maybe partially because he's the number nine pick and a little more of a name, but I expect a solid season from him. Last one here, Nick, real quick, fact or fiction, Seattle will have more Pro Bowl selections than last year. They had four last season. Well, if this were, this were an over-under segment, I'd be cheating and saying push. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to go fiction, I, I, not because I don't think they're going to have any. I think they're going to have four. Um you know, four is a good number for, for any team for Pro Bowls. I, I could see one of Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf in there, Jackson Smith, Jimba, you know, if he if he really shows out and gets back early. Um, Bobby Wagner, you know, if, if he has an average year, I think pencil him in. Quandre Diggs, I think same way. Um, so, yeah, one of the receivers, Bobby Wagner, Quandre Diggs, and then Tariq Woolen as well. And I guess when I was doing this, I wasn't quite factoring in the specialists as well, Michael Dixon, uh, you know, Jacob Myers. 
um, or Jason Myers. So I could see four. All right. I, I, I'm not going to quite go five. I'm going to go fiction just, but they're going to be right at four. I'm going to go fact. I think they're going to get six I, because if this team does what I think they're going to do in the win column, I think there's just by default going to be more guys that make the team, but the, the X factors here is Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams again, because if he is and they use him right, Jamal Adams is definitely a Pro Bowl caliber player. Does one of those tackles we just talked about make a jump where they suddenly are one of the better tackles in the NFC and they get voted to the Pro Bowl team? Um, does Ken Walker the third get into the Pro Bowl or does Zach Charbonnet's presence make it? His numbers aren't good enough. There are some wild cards to consider here with us, but I'm going to say six. I just think that this team, the expectations, if they can meet them, that's the key here. If they meet those expectations, win double digit games, I think you can get more than four just because you're one of the better teams in the NFC. It's going to create more opportunities for you to get those players into the Pro Bowl games. It's no longer the actual game, but Still, it's an honor to be selected nonetheless. Coming up next, we're going to dish out our picks to click heading into the preseason finale against the Packers at Lambeau Field. Don't go away. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked On Seahawks, which is brought your way by our friends at Underdog Fantasy. August is here, and you know what that means. The official start of Fantasy Football Drafting Month, Underdog is the easiest place to play fantasy football and the best place for best ball. Best Ball Mania 4 is the largest fantasy football tournament ever, and you can also invite your fans to a private draft in order to bring in new users. Get championship ready for your home league by drafting from best ball on underdog fantasy. All you do is one live snake draft, no waivers, no trades. Underdog sets your best lineup every week. I love it because I forget to set my lineups. They do it for me. Try it out with underdog's best ball mania tournament, the largest fantasy football contest of all time. It's back and even bigger. $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July, so don't wait around. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and sign up with the promo code locked on to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's underdog fantasy promo code locked on. You're listening to the Blue Friday edition of Locked on Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined for today's show by Nick Lee. And a special thanks to all the 12s, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. Coming up, we will have tomorrow after the game. At some point, we will be having a post-game show. It may come out on Sunday due to the scheduling this weekend. But make sure you're listening in. We'll have our game balls, three up, three down, and the key storylines coming out of Green Bay. Let's get to our picks to click, Nick. Going to the Green Bay, Titletown, USA. Seahawks on the road for the first time this season. And kind of a weird road game to have in the preseason traveling to Green Bay. But that's how the Seahawks will close things out in exhibition season. Pete Carroll has talked about the emphasis they're going to have on this being a road game, making sure that the newcomers understand how road games function, how their travel functions. All those little details are important to Pete Carroll. But... Going into this game, there's going to be a lot of second, third, fourth string guys that are going to be playing pretty much the entire game. I don't anticipate Seattle is going to play very many starters, if any. Green Bay, on the other hand, is going to be playing quite a few of their starters. So looking at this matchup from an offensive perspective, who's the player that you have as your pick to click that you think is going to have a big game tomorrow? Yeah, if you're tuning in tomorrow, hoping to see you know DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Noah Fan, all these guys. Might want to go watch Notre Dame Navy because this is a, this is a might not be for you. But anyway, um, for picks to click on offense, we we talked about this already. 
um, with the receivers. Esop Winston Jr. I just like him. I, I like that his fit here. Um, the pride of Wazoo, you know, kind of kind of local product a little bit. 970 yards and 11 touchdowns is is last year with, under Mike Leach, the late great Mike Leach at Wazoo in 2019. Four four two forty. You like what he could do in, in in the slot. You know, there's some special teams possibly potential as well. Caught a touchdown against the Vikings. He's he's shown he can fill that slot. You know, void. Um, so I want to see what he can do, especially where he gets a bit more of the show, especially, yeah, if Jake Bobo really doesn't play, which I agree with you. I think that Jake Bobo should be wrapped in bubble wrap and shipped off to Seattle, um, you know, for, for September 10th. But um, it, I think he's going to get an opportunity. And a lot of these guys are going to get massive opportunities. And I, I think Seth Winston, you know, with some NFL experience already, he's not a rookie. Um, so I think that'll play in his favor with some of the fits that he can, he can provide. So I'm going to go Esop Winston for my, for my pick to click on offense. Yeah. I'm going to go with a player that maybe hasn't gotten a lot of attention during training camp in the preseason. I don't envision him being in the mix to make the roster, but this last preseason game, I don't care if it was when they had four of them or now when they have three, you always have your jazz Ferguson and Troy main Pope type players that just come up with big games and exhibition season, even though they're not going to be making the roster. And I think Griffin Bear, the tight end from Louisiana Tech, this is going to be the game that he is going to be that player. And the reason that I believe this, if you've watched practice, Holton Ehlers loves throwing to this kid when the third string offense is out there. They have frequently worked together. And I just feel like we're not going to be seeing Parkinson much, if at all. We're not going to see Fanton Disley probably. So this is a great opportunity for those secondary tight ends to put some good tape out there for other teams. And Abear is a great athlete, the former receiver converted tight end. He's had a few issues with drops. He did make a really nice play in special teams against the Vikings recovering that muffed punt. But I think he's going to have a really good game catching the football. In fact, I think he's going to get a touchdown from Ehlers. It'll be the second time they've hooked up in the end zone this preseason. So Abear is my selection. And there's going to be some guys that have a chance to make this team that will have good games. But a lot of times these last preseason games, it's kind of those guys at the bottom of the roster. Somebody emerges and has a big game. I think Griffin Abear is going to be that guy. Maybe he turns that into a practice squad spot, especially with Tyler Mabry being banged up. Now let's go to the defensive side of the ball where I feel like there's a ton of candidates with a number of positions that still have bottom of the roster spots that appear to be open heading towards cuts. Yeah. And you described the situation for this guy perfectly. Patrick O'Connell. Um, give me a guy from Montana who's a tackling machine, eight tackles against the Cowboys flying towards the line of scrimmage. Now seems to be learning pretty fast, leads all of the linebackers and snaps taken this preseason. Not saying he's going to, you know, be a lock for the roster or anything like that, but I think he's going to give, um, give you know all the coaches a good run and all the fellow linebackers a good run for their money um, and he's he's got some competition with experience you know with John Radigan BBK out there um, that they're, they have the experience factor too but I just have liked watching number 57 on the field he's flying around he's making tackles um, I, I'm definitely going to keep my eye on number 57 tomorrow um, especially just because with the volume he should get I think he really should get you know pile up more tackles um, so I, I think you're going to hear his name quite often during the broadcast once again. And the other thing that the Seahawks have not done with him yet, really, that he did in Montana, the ability to rush a little bit off the edge. He had a lot of sacks at Montana. I don't know if they plan to do that with him, but there is some versatility to his game that you're not going to get from John Radigan or Ben Burkirvin. And so he is one that's fascinating. In fact, he was one of my couple candidates that I was looking at 
for my pick to click. I'm going to go with a guy that got drafted, though, because I've been saying it throughout training camp in the preseason. Jared Reed II is a player that I was so excited about when they drafted him because his film in New Mexico is really good. He was a clean tackler, ton of pass breakups. Quarterbacks tended to stay away from him, and so his interception numbers went down some over his college career. But he was one of those day three picks that I was so fired up about. And I still think there's a lot of potential there, but he's been somewhat disappointing in some regards in this first training camp of preseason. There's been assignment miscues. The missed tackles has been the biggest issue. He had a huge one that allowed Deuce Vaughn to score a touchdown last week. And I think Deuce Vaughn's a fantastic player, so I don't want to take anything away from him. But Jared Reed, the second, has got to come up and make those plays. So this is maybe a pick-to-click that is partially a motivating pick-to-click. Jared Reed, the second, I want to see you play to your potential. I want to see you coming up and not just hitting people hard, but get a good rap, take good angles. I've been impressed with the coverage stuff in the preseason games, but I think he gets his hands on the football in either an interception or a pass breakup. And I think we're going to see a lot cleaner tackling this week against the Packers. So I think Jarek Reed is second to have a big game and he needs it. And Jonathan Sutherland doesn't sound like he's going to be playing in this game. So maybe this is another one of those situations where that door has been opened for Jarek Reed to pass over the undrafted rookie, who at this point I think has been a little bit better in the preseason. Can you reclaim that roster spot with Jamal Adams looking like he's going to be back sooner rather than later playing snaps? There might only be one spot for those two players. Can Jarek Reed make a statement? And I'm projecting that he's going to have a very strong game at Lambeau Field and maybe solidify his standing making this football team as the one draft pick they've got right now that I think might be on the fence a little bit with the emergence of Jonathan Sutherland. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Nick at Nick Lee 51. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode. This weekend, we will be having a post-game show, our three game, our three up, three down game balls, and much more. And then Monday, we'll have our Monday musings coming up. So we got two exciting episodes dishing out some analysis from the preseason finale in Green Bay. Make sure that you're listening in. Enjoy your weekend and enjoy the game. Go Hawks.